Good morning. Oh, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true with thanksgiving. I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Lord, teach your children to stop the fighting, start uniting all as one. Let's get together, loving forever, sanctuary for you. Oh, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Sympathy is extended to Rachel Thomas and family on the death of her grandfather, Calvin Parker. The funeral was January the 5th. This morning's scripture is taken from 2 Samuel chapter 22, verses 3 and 4. <coughs> my God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my Savior. From violent men you save me. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from hands. Let's all stand and sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see, and I've got a peaceful, easy feeling, and I know you won't let me down, cause I'm already standing on solid ground. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. And I've got a peaceful, easy feeling, and I know you won't let me down, cause I'm already standing on solid ground. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, 
We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. And I've got a peaceful, easy feeling, and I know you won't let me down, because I'm already standing on solid ground. Please be seated. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. And he will lift you up. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Was blind, but now I see. When we've been there 10,000 years, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise, we've no less days to sing God's praise, than when we first begun, than when we first begun. So humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. So humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he
so many things around us. See our own bodies as you build so beautifully and wonderfully. We can think and reason and move and create and love and have compassion. We're just thankful. Thank you, Dave. 
better and be better. And to show the world the Christ that we love. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss the father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory behold the man upon a cross my sin 
upon his shoulder. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything. No gifts, no power, no But I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know. have paid my ransom, but this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. point was made 
Let's all stand before Randy's lesson. Once I stood in the night with my head bowed low in the darkness as black as could be, and my heart felt alone and I cried oh Lord don't hide your face from me hold my hand all the way every hour every day from here to the
dizer. Good morning. Glad you're here today. Today is our uh, uh, small group Bible studies. We want to encourage you to be a part of that. If you're not in a group, it's not too late to jump in. It's a new year, and you might uh, find out that you like it. So just ask around, and you can uh, join one. Um, uh, there are several folks who, that lead groups or in groups, um, uh, and we want you to be a part of that. Uh, if not, and you want to be a part of the group that meets in the chapel, just a quick reminder, uh, the group that meets in the chapel will start at 5 o'clock tonight. A little change for the new year, and that's just with the daylight saving time. So keep that in mind, 5 o'clock in the chapel. What well, is a new year? And my challenge to you this year is to read your Bible. Read your Bible. I think all of us need to do that more and more. I do, you do, every one of us need to read the Bible. Not just so you have, have all the right answers, but you know the one who knows all the answers. So I thought it'd be good to kick off the new year with the lesson encouraging Bible reading. You can read it solo, if you're living alone, or if you're living a house full. Or you might do it as a family, or if you're in a relationship with someone, or you're married, you might want to do that as a couple, if that would help you, maybe hold you accountable, but read the Bible. Uh, maybe it would be helpful to have a reading chart. Uh, if you uh, notice in the uh, monthly messenger that was mailed after the first of the year because of the post office, but... My, I got mine in the mail yesterday. Maybe you did as well. But the reading guide, we also put it in the bulletin today. That reading guide will get you through the Bible in a year. And here's what I like about this one, why we chose it. It gives you some breaks in there. Uh, there are several days each month. Because you think, wait, wait, it's already January 6th. I'm behind. It doesn't matter. There's 25 days of reading. It alternates between Old Testament, New Testament, and also a psalm. Uh, but it gets you time in the Word, and it kind of mixes things up, I think, in a good way. Uh, gives you, again, some of the breathing room there to kind of help you with that. Or use your own reading guide. Or just read a book. Just start with maybe a short one that you can get through it quickly and then feel good about that and, and, and keep going. But read the Bible. But why read? Why should you and I read the Bible? Well, there's a lot of good stories there's some great rules to live by, as some say, even if there were no God, it's still the best way to live. And I agree with that. But that doesn't make me want to read it. And then I think about the people who don't like reading, period. I mean, you're just not a reader. That's not you. And some of you are thinking, yep, that's me, and you've already checked out of this message. Well, hang with me for just a little bit. I read several authors and articles and blogs about reading the Bible. I thought, what can I share today to encourage you to read the Bible? And there is one by Adrian Warnack, and I'll share his name because I got some of his information from him because he encouraged me and inspired me. And as I was reading through that, some of his information came from John Piper. So it kind of inspired me to do this lesson and encourage you. I'm going to share... Uh, a lot of scriptures today. So I want to encourage you to uh, take your outline in the back of the bulletin and you can follow along, fill in the blank, but maybe write down some of these passages as well. But I want to begin with this. Let's go back to the beginning and look at, a, at the, the big picture, the big perspective. I want to share just a few verses from Genesis 1 to remind us all about God's creation. Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 
And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And then verse 31, and God saw that everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. And then fast forward to when the Lord comes back, when we're told that eternity is also going to be very good. Verses like Revelation 7, 16, never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst, The sun will not be down on them, nor any scorching heat, for the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What about 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8? We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. At home with the Lord. Doesn't that sound good? At home, it just conjures up everything. It just feels good inside. Look at Psalm 16, In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Fullness of joy. Isn't that beautiful? Just being in the presence of God. Now, put this on the screen. I want you to think about this. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him, when he is the source of our joy. See, the world began with God himself describing his creation as very good. And the psalmist tells us that eternity with God is the fullness of joy. So it's very good in the beginning, and it will be very good when we all get to heaven, that fullness of God in heaven. But we also know what happened in Genesis chapter 3. When man fell, when man chose to disobey God, man was given a choice and he turned from God and it has been man's curse ever since. Now, we cannot enjoy God as we're created to do if we are dead in our trespasses, in our sins. And this is the biggest obstacle standing in the way of God's ultimate purpose that our joy would be in him. That's the problem. Now, nothing takes God by surprise. He knew it would happen this way. So from the very beginning, he made this a part of his plan. So what's the role of Scripture? Why did God give us a book? Why the Bible? How does God's inspired words, these words, these sentences, these paragraphs, these stories, these poems, these songs, how does all of that relate to God's way of overcoming our deadness? Well, two things I want to clarify to begin with. Apart from God's grace, we are spiritually dead. Without God's grace, we are spiritually dead. It's good for us just to acknowledge that. Which means, with that, we prefer other things other than God. Other things give us joy. And we choose other things all the time over God. That's what it means to be spiritually dead. We're unable to enjoy God above all things. I heard a radio commercial this week. I think it was Way FM, I'm not sure. Maybe it was Caleb. It was one of those, and it was, uh, uh, they were advertising some kind of diet plan or exercise. I really don't know, but what I did notice is they said, what if we took our obsession with food and substituted the word food in several key passages of Scripture? Like the joy of food is our strength. And they did another one and another one and another one. I thought, man, that hits home. Because we love our food, don't we? We focus on our food. And some of us more than others. And I'm not just talking about those who maybe have a weight problem. Some people are obsessed with food. We call them 
foodies. You've heard that. The joy of food is our strength. That's just one example. You could put so many things in that blank. Because of sin, we're unable to enjoy God above all things. And this preference is so strong, we can't change it ourselves. That's what it means to be dead spiritually. Let me share a couple of verses that kind of explain this. 1 Corinthians 2, 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they're folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Romans 8, 7 and 8. The mind of the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Apart from God's saving grace, we're all unable to see this compelling truth, the beauty of the things of the Spirit. So we don't want Him. We don't find our joy in Him. We cannot submit to or please Him because we're spiritually blind. The glory of God, we just don't see it. Martin Luther called this the bondage of the will. Now, it's bondage, but it's our fault. It's not I want God, but there's all these things keeping me from it. It's, it's I, 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 I don't want God because I'm so bound to these other things that I want more. That's what we're talking about here. I will not embrace him as my supreme treasure because I don't prefer God over so many other things. Now, we're not talking about those people out there. We're talking about all people. This is a human problem. We all have the spiritual inability to embrace God as our supreme treasure. To look to God to be the one who gives me joy more than anything or anyone. That's what it means, again, to be spiritually dead. We're unable to enjoy him. And this is a capital offense. And because of that, we're doomed. Is that we've taken God off the throne and we've put other things on the throne and that's what gives us joy. And that's why we're doomed in our sin. That's what stands between us and this realization again that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. We don't prefer God. And we're under judgment because of that. Look at Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Well, how did God do this? How is he doing it today? He makes people alive so they see and prefer God. He makes people alive. He opens their eyes so they, they treasure what they should treasure. And the answer, he does all of this through the word. That's why he gave us the word. This God-exalting joy is given through us through the scriptures. Now, let me share five ways this is so, if you fill in the blanks. The first one is this, known to be enjoyed. God wants to be known so that he can be enjoyed. There can be no fullness in our joy in God that the Bible talks about without understanding in the story of the Bible. And that fullness is found in Scripture. I put this on the screen. I think I've shared it with you before. Jen Wilkins says, The heart cannot love what the mind does not know. 
The heart cannot love, but the mind does not know. You can't love God if you don't know him, and that's the first commandment, right? You can't love a baby until there is a baby. Now, you can love the idea of having a baby, but when that baby is conceived, and especially when that baby is born, you love that baby. You may love the idea of God. You may love the things of God, but you cannot love God if you don't know him. And the more fully you know him, the more fully you love him. And the more you treasure him. And the more he becomes your supreme joy. So God knows what is needed. He created us. So he knows what we need to, to light that fire in us, to ignite that desire, and to sustain that fullness of joy that glorifies him most. And that's what he put in the Bible. He made us. He wired us. He knows what we need, and he wrote all about that. Now, we know the heavens declare the glory of God. The creation speaks about who God is, but nothing compares to the knowledge of God than that which is written in the Word, and it's full of it. When God said to Samuel, 1 Samuel 3.21, it's true for all of us. Look at this passage. The Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Now think about that phrase, the word of the Lord. Folks, that appears throughout the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament, word of the Lord. All God-exalting joy is based on God's Revelation, God making known, God's book, that's what it is. It's talking about him. And without it, God's purpose of being glorified in us is not going to happen. So number two, what did he do? God chose a book. That's what he did. The story of how God arranged a way for those who are spiritually dead to be made alive is only known because of what is recorded in the Bible. But why did God choose a book? You ever thought about that? I mean, in our day, especially with technology, when written pages are, are being replaced with digital files, we've got screens, there's audio files, we've got TVs, we've got computers, we've got it all. Why did God choose? We think, well, well, wait a minute, Randy, they weren't invented back then. True. But this is God we're talking about. God could have invented it. God could have made that happen. But God chose to write a book. These holy writings that Paul says are able to make you wise for salvation. He chose this writing, this reading, this preaching, this telling of what is written. So without our book, without the Bible, this access to salvation would not be available. And without that readable, teachable story, there'd be no deliverance from this spiritual deadness we're talking about, this bondage of, this, of the will, of, of facing the wrath of God. We know that's true, which brings me to the third reason the Bible is indispensable for our joy. We have been made alive to read. We have been made alive to read. God has ordained that this miracle of new birth that the Bible talks about oftenly by which we are made alive from our spiritual deadness, happens through the word of God. This new birth, think about this. You know this in Scripture. I'm going to share some more to remind you. This new birth is the work of the Holy Spirit, making the dead alive, giving sight to the blind, so that we see God, so that we know God. 
We come to love God and find our joy in Him. So it's not the Spirit alone, and it's not the Word alone. It's the two working together that brings this miracle of new birth. So you can be a Bible scholar and still be lost, dead in your sins. The Spirit, through the Word, causes that dead heart to live. Those blind eyes to see. That, that, that cut off mind, that, that closed mind, to open up and see the truth of God. And in that we learn about our Savior and our King and our Lord and the friend that we have in Jesus. Look at 1 Peter 1, 23. You've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. And then verse 25, and this word is the good news that was preached to you. Now, notice two things of what Peter is writing here. The word that Peter is speaking about is the good news. It's the story of the good news, the gospel of Jesus, his birth, his death, his resurrection, and then he's in heaven preparing a place for us. That's what the word is. That's the good news. In verse 25, the word is the good news that was preached to you. Christ died for you. He paid your debt. He bore your wrath. And he gave you his righteousness as clothing. He purchased your forgiveness. He gave you a new heart. Then also notice that this word is sort of the instrument, if that's the right word to use here, through which the Spirit brings this about. You've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. Not the spirit alone, not the word alone, the two working together, the spirit through the word. See, some people, when they think about the Bible, especially when it comes to reading the Bible, they think the Bible is boring, or the Bible is confusing. I don't know where to start. Or the Bible is out of date. Or they think maybe it, it holds them back. It, it compromises the real you. And you can't compare anything you find there with the pleasures of this world. But that same book, that same truth, that so many discount is boring, comes alive. Is the living word through the Holy Spirit. And it becomes so much more than a book. And it's treasured so much more than a book. Because now we're made alive. Now we see. Now we understand. Now our hearts are burning because what we read. And it's not just words on a page. It's truth that the Holy Spirit is illuminating to us. And we see God like never before. That's why we can't get away from John Newton's line in his song Amazing Grace. I once was lost but now I'm found. Was blind but now I see. We love that line because it illustrates so much. Or James 1.18 puts it this way. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. You are a new creation. And just like God created the world from the very beginning. You remember the line about God, there was light. Now before the sun, there was light. Remember that? That same power, that same light is working in us. That's what the Bible tells us. 2 Corinthians 4.6 for God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God's power, God's light is shown in your hearts. Overcome blindness calls you to see. That's what we're talking about here. That means when the word was taught to you. That means when you read it for yourself, 
The light comes on. God gives it light. You're born again. That's what we're talking about here. No more deadness. No more bondage. There's life that we're talking about. And all this, because God's working through his spirit in the word. Which brings me to number four. Joy is created by the word. And by that word, joy of faith is sustained and brought to completion. The joy of faith is created by the word of God. I don't know if you've ever thought about that phrase, but it appears often in Scripture. We're looking at a couple of them. Joy of faith. But let's start Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. This is simultaneous with the new birth we're talking about. When you hear the word, you have a choice. You either discard it or you choose to believe it. Look at 1 John 5, 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Not will be, but has, not has been, but will be. Uh, not will be, but has been. Believing is the evidence we're talking about here. Saving faith is faith in Christ. And it brings this joy we're talking about here. All this joy, this is where joy comes connected. Enjoying Christ, being satisfied in him. He's first. Not just saying he's first, but he's your joy. He's what you treasure the most. This is where it comes into play. To treasure something means you find pleasure in it. That's why people collect things. That's why people want to go to places, because they treasure. They want to be there. Things you treasure, because you find pleasure in that. It gives you joy. That's why in 2 Corinthians 4, one twenty four, Paul uses the word joy and faith sort of interchangeably. Look at these words. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. Faith and joy. He's using these together. Paul's talking about a joy-permeated faith. If you believe, then you have joy. That's what the Bible says from the very beginning to the very end. In fact, in Philippians 1.25, Paul says the joy of faith. I know that I will remain and continue with you all for the progress and joy of faith. That's what Paul's working for here. And then John's gospel made it plain that enjoying Jesus and believing Jesus, they're all part of each other. John 6, 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life who comes to me. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall not thirst. So the coming to him and the believing in him, again, are used interchangeably. They mean the same thing. It's relief from the soul hunger. It's relief from the soul thirst. Which makes me wonder then, when there's a Christian without joy... What are we supposed to think of that? What am I supposed to think when there is a Christian and they don't have joy? When they grumble, just like those who are spiritually dead grumble. When they're bitter, just like those who deny God. What are we supposed to think of that? I don't think I can live with a sour attitude and claim to be a follower of Jesus. I may believe there is a Jesus, but I don't have this faith that the Bible talks about. This joy of faith the Bible talks about. Faith means being satisfied in all that God is for us through Jesus. And an essential part of that saving faith is finding that satisfaction we're talking about. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. That's this faith. 
And so since faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, our joy is dependent upon Scripture. That's why we need to read the word. So number five, we need God's help to make it until the day of Christ. The only way we're able to endure to the end is because of the Scriptures. By the word, the joy of faith is sustained and brought to completion. We owe not only the creation of this joy of faith to the word, but it's, it's our daily survival. That's how we're going to make it. So how does the Bible, I mean, how does God provide this joy of faith to his people? Well, the Bible tells us that. He will keep us. Look at these verses, Jeremiah thirty-two forty. I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. Jude 1, 24. He is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Philippians 1, 6, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, 8, he will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, he who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. Again, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. How do we do it? By what the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 36, by inclining your heart to his testimonies. The Bible, the book, the Word of God was given just for this reason. Look at John 20, 31. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you may have life in his name. So he's given us this word to create and sustain this joy of faith we're talking about. Look at Romans 15, 4. Whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. We endure in hope by the encouragement of the word. See, the word of God is working to secure your joy, to give you this joy, and to sustain your joy. That's how God does this. Look at Hebrews 12, verse 14. Think about the necessity of holiness here. Strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. No holiness, no heaven which means our everlasting joy in God hangs on our holiness. So how does God then give this holiness to his people? By the word. Jesus prayed this for us. John 17, verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Make them holy by your truth. Well, what truth is Jesus talking about? The truth of God's word, the Bible. Remember John 8, 32, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, the truth will set you free. Free from that bondage of sin. Free from that deadness of sin. And that brings you joy from thinking like the world. You're no longer bound to that. And it comes from the truth. Or 2 Peter 1, verse 4, he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world. We overcome by his precious and very great promises. And where are you going to learn about those promises? They're written in the word. That's why you need to read. We keep our focus on Jesus, and God makes us more and more like him. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of another. And so how do we behold the glory of the Lord? Well, we're right back to where we started. That passage in 1 Samuel 3, 21. The Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word 
of the Lord. We see him in the word. And by seeing him, by focusing on him, by reading about him, meditating on him, we become more like him. We become holy. And we are kept on that narrow road that leads to life. So one last blank. I want you to see that all of this is bigger than the universe. All of this is bigger than the universe. The entire purpose purpose of God for the universe hangs on the inspiration and the authority and the truthfulness of the Bible. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. When he is our joy, when he is our supreme treasure, And the entire purpose of God hangs on the Bible. So what is the role of Scripture? Why read it? That your joy may be full. That's what Jesus said. John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This week I received a phone call from one of our um, college students. He's catching me up on his life, and we shared a little bit, and he asked me to pray for him because he was dealing with something that was a first. He was dealing with anxiety. That was new, and he was talking about some things going on, some stressors he's dealing with, and then even as he was asking me to pray for him for that, he said, but you know, I've not been in the Word as much as I should have been. And I thought to myself as he was talking, he just answered his own question. That's the answer. Spend time in the Word. If you're having doubt, if you're frustrated, anxiety, if you're you're finding yourself more attracted to other things more than God, and it doesn't have to be just something salacious, it could be something like food. Spend more time in the Word. It's a new year. Whether it's January or June, every one of us, we need to be in the Word more. I want to challenge you to do that. Again, there's a reading guide. You could do that. You could choose your own reading guide. There's all kinds of like automatic reminders that will pop up on your phone. There's so many things that make it easy. If you want to use it, say it like that. But let me encourage you. Again, not because you have to. Not just because it's a discipline. Not just to memorize facts. But as Jesus said, that your joy may be full. Or this morning, if you know you are spiritually dead, the Bible talks about But you've not yet been made a new creation. We want to offer an invitation to you to do just that. To confess that Jesus is Lord. That you believe he is the son of God. That he make you a new creation as you're baptized. Your sins are washed away. He gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. He writes your name in the Lamb's book of life. And he promises to never leave you. And he will sustain you to the end. And he will give you this joy of faith. If that's what you need, or if we can pray for you in any way, won't you come as we stand and sing to encourage? Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed.
come broken to be mended. I come wounded to be healed. I come desperate to be rescued. I come empty to be filled. I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb. And I'm welcomed with open arms. Praise God just as I am. Just as I am. I would be lost. But mercy and grace, my freedom bought. And now to Please go ahead and pass your attendance sheets to the center aisles. The young men are going to come and pick those up. Father God, just for today, help me walk the narrow way. Help me stand when I might fall. Give me strength. To hear your call, may my steps be worship, may my thoughts be praise, may my words bring honor to your name. May my steps be worship, may my thoughts be praise, may my words Bring honor to your name. Here I am. 
just for today. Live in me. Have your way for my desire. When this race is run, is to hear you say, well done. May my steps be worship. May my thoughts be praise. May my words bring honor to your name. May my steps be worship. May my thoughts be praise. May my words bring honor to your name. If you're visiting with us this morning, you're a special guest. We're glad that you're here. We hope you felt welcome and uh, we look forward to meeting with you and just grab anybody that may help you get to uh, a class. We'll have fellowship in our in our uh, gym over here in a few moments and we hope that you'll be with us there. Uh, it's worth noting this church is uh, to be commended for the special contribution last week, a little over $50,000. Um, that's a wonderful, wonderful honor to God for this church's work. Keeps our ministry strong and our work works going well. And we're thankful for that. Uh, also, uh, when you think about our ministries, look in the bulletin, the Hispanic singing that's coming up through Alex's ministry, and, uh, a new rotation in the faith farm. This starts today, a son of God, and then uh, the uh, tonight, Tucker, and, and, and uh, all of those will be going over to a Spring Meadows to the uh, uh, area-wide devotional tonight. We're thankful for that. Let's be praying this week and, uh, for all that we, we do in serving our God. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for all that you do. And Father, we thank you for our gathering this morning and uh, Randy's message to us. Father, bless us as we begin this new year. Keep us strong. Help us to stay in the word, Father, in Jesus' name.